Welcome to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. Have you found yourself trapped on the weight loss journey, losing and regaining the same 20 pounds? Are you tired of starving yourself, eating less calories than your toddler, and making the gym your second home is just not an option? Then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Anna J. Fit, weight loss and mental fitness coach, and in this podcast, I'll teach you exactly what to do to lose the weight sustainably and never gain it back. Let's dive in. All right, ladies, welcome to another amazing episode on the Women Winning at Weight Loss show. So today is going to be a little bit different than what I've been doing in the last couple months. I actually brought on a very special guest of mine. So I'm so excited to bring her on, let her talk a little bit about the amazing work that she does with women. Um, But before I do that, so here is Shay. She is a licensed trauma therapist. And I want to let you ladies know why I decided to bring her on as a guest on the show. So first of all, Shay and I actually worked together. She was one of my weight loss clients for a couple months, and she was such an amazing, uh, really coachable client. And I had such a wonderful experience working with her. So that's the number one reason why I wanted to bring her on. But secondly, because the work that Shay does is all about uplifting and empowering and helping women. She's just as passionate about women than I am. So it just made sense that she would be here on this show today. And then the third, but certainly not the last reason why Shay is here is because she helps women overcome and heal or address their unhealed trauma, I should say. And on the weight loss journey and in, in the coaching that I've been doing, I've learned over the years that so much of our weight-related issues are very much connected to unhealed trauma. So Shay's work is so important. So without further ado, hey, Shay. Good. How are you doing today? Good. I am doing well. Thank you so much for you know taking the time to come on and being willing to do this. Um, I, I'm certain that you're going to be bringing massive value to to this this show and this episode and i'm sure that a lot of what you're going to share with the ladies is going to be very inspirational and helpful so i'm excited um if you don't mind would you share with the listeners a little bit more about you and then also what inspired and motivated you to go into trauma healing for women specifically yes yes so thank you for introducing me and i'm excited to be here um so what got me wrong to trauma and trauma work specifically with women is through my journey through school I always have had this spirit to help people like all of my jobs in the past have been helping people in some capacity so I finally landed in the counseling field when I graduated I realized something was missing in the work that I was doing with clients and I finally took a course on trauma and that's where I finally learned that working with trauma is differently different than just talk therapy. One of the main sentences that like me in the track on this training that I took was that trauma is held in the body. And I was like, boy, I wasn't taught that in school. And a lot of times trauma specifically isn't talked about enough when we are in school and doing our training. So I was went down a rabbit hole of like um of trauma and how it impacts us, especially as women and how it shows up in our lives. And I've had my own experiences with trauma as well. And so I, I just thought it made sense because a lot of the people 
while I was helping, their stories really resonated with me as they sounded similar as I started working more and more with people. And so after hearing that, I just, again, went down a rabbit hole of training and like soaking up information about trauma and really getting um, to the best practices so that I can bring them to my community of women and clients so that they can get the healing that they need. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I like how you were focusing on the counseling piece, but you kept thinking, uh, something, something's missing. Like we're, we're, we're not getting to, I'm not getting to the depths of things here. And I also like the fact that you're very clear about, yes, trauma is like it gets stored in your body, right? It's mm-hmm. not just, it's not just the emotional piece or it's in your heart. It's in your mind. It's also somewhere in your body, like phys- physically, it affects yeah. you in some way and it stays with you, right? Um, yeah. So the the women that come to you, right? What what is it? What are the things that they share with you in terms of like what motivates them to get the help that they need from you? What what are like the typical things that you hear or see? The complaints. Typical things that they are coming to me is that their relationships with other people are stagnant or stuck, or they're recognizing that they struggle with putting others before themselves. So a lot of people pleasing, a lot of guilt. Um, some people do come in and struggling with body image or even eating disorders where they just know that they have issues around food. So there's something going on in their adult life that just isn't panning out the way that they want, no matter what they've tried. And so they're coming to me to change that. Either they change their relationships with people change their relationship with food, change their relationship with how they treat themselves or even any other goals that they are looking to, um, to you know, they come into fruition. So they're looking for a change. I like that. So it's, it's definitely women who've probably done a little bit of self-work to say the least and gotten to the point where their, the awareness has been raised and they're like, wait a second, I'm repeating patterns with food. I'm repeating patterns maybe with like work situations or financial things. I'm repeating patterns with relationships. Right. Um, so I need to, I need to start digging deeper and work on me. Right. Because yes. that's where things stem from. And I like that. And I want to highlight that because I think that it, it, it takes, for some of us, it takes a while. It takes some time. It's a process because a lot of us have been stuck for a long time in the blame game, right? Things always happen to me. People are always doing this to me or all of my relationships is, is all because they were jerks, right? Um, and, and at some point, I think that we get, we get to that place where it's like, listen, Something's not right because I keep repeating the same patterns. I keep getting the same undesirable outcomes, right? Right. Um, maybe I need to go and address my own trauma because that might be where this stems from. I love that. Okay, this is interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it comes to uh, specifically like the food aspect of it and the reason why, you know, I'm very much intrigued and interested in that is because... I've learned from experience and my expertise coaching women on their weight loss journeys that a lot of the weight related problems, right? Like the emotional eating, I'm, I'm overindulging, I'm overeating, or sometimes it's marked as I'm addicted to sweets, right? Think that very typical things that I hear. And it's, and a lot of times it stems from at the core, the unhealed trauma, 
right? So what do you hear from, from your clients when it comes specifically to your concerns or the repeat repetitive patterns with foods and weights? Typically, they know that there's an issue going on. They come in and they're like, well, I know what I should be doing. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Like, they already have that clear awareness of, like, maybe even what to do. But they have a hard time thinking it. And so it kind of, it starts to look like a knee-jerk reaction where it's just, it starts to, you know, the trigger comes up and then they're already in a binge up or something. Or they're in, so like that trigger to eating habit or disordered eating happens so quickly that they're in it before they realize it. And then, of course, the guilt and the other feelings come behind it of like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that to myself? So a lot of self-blaming that comes from that. And so those are some of the issues that I've heard other clients express about their issues with eating and um, food. And so it, we always say it's really hard to accept urge once it happens. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, it's a real mm-hmm. like self-sabotage type of cycle, right? And yeah. um. Yeah. I'm glad that you're breaking it down and you're addressing this because there are people out here that will say things like, well, just don't have it in your house and then you won't eat it. You know, well, just, well, you're the one buying it. Nobody asked you to buy it. Right. I've had clients, I've had clients say to me, well, my spouse does not understand. He's like, you know, like, like the spouse is maybe like not supportive of the dietary changes or something like that. So the spouse insists on, but I want to have my Oreos. So I'm gonna have them in the pantry. No one's asking you to eat them. Control yourself. Like demonstrate some right. some discipline and 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 restraint. Like, what is your issue? And I'm that's why I love you know the, the point that you're you're bringing up here because it's a bit deeper than that. It's not I just sit here and enjoy sabotaging my hard uh, work and my efforts, and I really don't actually want to be fifty pounds lighter. No, that's not really what's going on here. It's 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 a lot deeper than that. And so, oh, yeah, right. And for for my listeners here who haven't who maybe have not really identi- very clearly identified this in their own lives, and you can add to this or correct me if you think that I'm wrong, but what I see a lot when it comes to the cycle is some something is being triggered emotionally, right? Like something happens. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a thought or it's an incident that brings you back to your feelings of I'm not good enough. And the I'm not good enough mm-hmm. may come from, you know, being molested as a child. Right. Then it was mm-hmm. imprinted then into your brain and in your soul that you're not good enough because here is family member X, Y, Z molesting you as a child. I know a lot of my clients, unfortunately, that's what they've been through. Right. Or it's yeah. coming out of abusive uh, marriages and relationships. Right. Domestic violence victims. And so we, we program ourselves at some point and we, we internalize it as, OK, this has happened to me because I'm not good enough. Right. And then. Yeah. Here you are 10 years later, you're on the job and your boss, you know, makes a nasty remark to you and you go right back to, right, because I'm not good enough. And that trigger turns to, here I'm back into my binge eating cycle. It's Oreos, it's ice cream. I don't understand. Why do I keep doing this? I was doing so good. Why do I keep doing this? But you can't stop and you just keep on going and keep on going until you literally make yourself physically sick. What happens Mm -hmm. afterwards, a couple hours later, maybe the next day? 
God, I'm such a failure. I am such a loser. I'm worth nothing. That's right. This is why all these things have ever happened to me because look at me. I can't do nothing right. All right. And then it's the guilt and the beating yourself up and all of these things that are kicking in, but it's a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a cycle. Does that sound similar to what you've, what you've been hearing and what you've been seeing? In- yeah. 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 Most likely, um, most definitely when I see that and, um, some type of trigger comes up and then after the trigger happens, you're right into the binge eating episode or some people have issues with restricting um, their food and they won't eat um, because of something stressful happening. Um, and so some people are aware that it may be related to something in the past and some people may not. Be. Some people may just, you know, well, why am I doing this? And then all the negative thinking comes up from, you know, blaming themselves and again, the pattern just keeps going. And some people may have the awareness that it is connected to something in the past, such as um, being molested or other things that parents may have done, emotional neglect to be one of those, or even parents more hyper-focused on their child's weight Mm -hmm. and telling them messages about their weight or putting them on diet on a young age. Yeah, good point. This is good. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. So does it happen sometimes that you have clients where it's through sessions that y'all are actually that you're actually like bringing bringing out this awareness of what this is really deeply actually connected to? Oh yeah, we do that um to really kind of peel back all these layers that are around this. And so we get deeper and the key to this is really going back and healing where it came from um, because if those wounds are still open and we're not getting into the point of um, going and healing that, then the patterns are going to continually persist and the cycle is going to be maintained. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. That, that That's powerful. And, you know, also something that I want to touch on is that the word trauma. So that in itself is important that we touch on that. But something that I learned, um, you know, like later on in, in my adult life is that we're all traumatized. We all have trauma. Yeah. We all have some very significant wounds. Growing up, I thought that trauma meant you know, sexual abuse, you know, um, um, maybe abusive, like violent parents, you know, or, you know, if not physically, but then emotionally, verbally abusive parents and, and, and alcoholics, uh, you know, addicts, abandonment, like I thought like it was like, you know, these types of things, right? Even, even post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which is something that's been thrown around so much. I always thought, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, you've, you would have been a soldier going to war. That's when you have, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. in the last decade of working with women, and by the way, working on my own wounds and my own trauma and my own issues, I realized, mm-hmm. wow, trauma is way more uh, broader and and looks so different for each of us. I have yeah. not been, you know, sexually abused or mentally, emotionally, or physically as a child but I have trauma too. And for me, it came out uh, from doing um, like hypnotherapy. And Mm. I was like, what? Oh, so certain things that I've internalized and I've taken, you know, as a child, like a lot of things, we we internalize them 
um, even if they were like small in, in essence or in nature, because of mm-hmm. our understanding is limited. So there are mm-hmm. things as a kid that my, when my dad wasn't there for certain things or said certain things, I internalized it as also that whole not good enough. And I've been mm-hmm. abandoned by my father, even though my father was in my life every single day. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And these are things that we don't really, it doesn't scream trauma, trauma. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I was yeah. like, that was eye opening. Do you do you see that too sometimes with clients that where it's maybe mm-hmm. not? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I think we need to reframe the definition of trauma here. It's not necessarily what exactly the event is, or like it's only for people in car accidents or went to war, people that um were sexually assaulted. It's not only reserved for those people. And we have to recognize that trauma necessarily isn't about the event. It's, ha- it's what's happening on uh, how the event impacted you internally. And that's where we have to really break it down and look at trauma is more specifically individualized and not just captured by what the event was. Because I know some people get caught up into, well, your trauma wasn't as bad as mine or trying to compare um, or what I went through wasn't that bad, so why don't you just get over it? And it's not necessarily how bad it was or what the specific event is, how you internalize the event and give perceived support. And that's where people kind of don't recognize with children that children, if left un- unattended to in certain instances, like parents, you know, not being there, having to go to work all the time. If they're not tended to in regards to getting an explanation and support, children are going to externalize that and come up with their own narrative because they're limited, like you said, to the information that they that, that they have. And so if they don't understand that mommy and daddy has to go to work and they don't have to spend a lot of time with me, they're going to internalize that, oh, maybe they're not at home because they hate me or um or they try to find other ways to self-soothe and then it becomes maladaptive behavior. Maybe some people self-soothe like eating. And then, you know, they they are shocked at finding this information out of like, oh, I didn't know that because my parents went to work or they didn't do X, Y, Z, that it wasn't because they hated me. It was because they had to provide for the household or do other things for, you know, for me. And so it's kind of taking a different perspective on this and looking at that inner child and seeing like, oh, what didn't you get to help you do some of these things that cause you to have maladaptive beliefs or maladaptive behaviors? Yes. Shay, this is powerful. This mm-hmm. is such an important conversation. I'm so glad that we're doing this. Uh, I'm just sitting here taking it all in. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. We got to talk about this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But Absolutely. It's not, it's not really about what happened to you or what happened to me or, you know, whomever. It's more so how was this internalized, right? How did you process mm-hmm. that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the fact that you gave that example of like, some people are like, oh, but th- that happened to me too. Or my traumas, were, that was worse for me than it was for you. Or well, it happened to me too. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, what is your problem? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. so good because- it immediately reminded me in my own experience, like, so I've, I'm divorced, right? And mm-hmm. my d- divorce was one of the most trauma-filled experiences in my adult life. And people around me were like, I mean, 
but y'all agreed on everything. Y'all didn't have to fight one another on custody or properties or money. It was amicable in the sense that we weren't fighting each other, which is a beautiful thing, blessing for sure. We agreed on yeah. everything that we need to agree on, but it was so traumatizing to me because I came from a household where my parents have been married 40 plus years. My husband mm -hmm. was my life. That's going to be my husband forever. We're going to die together. Like I was sold on that promise. I was, I was, I was stuck on that. Right. And mm -hmm. for me to tear, to, to make the decision to tear that bond apart, to eliminate that title of my life, to lose that identity. It was the real loss of me, the wife. And a real loss, yeah. this is my partner, and this is the, the the life that we had and the life that I envisioned. I had friends of mine mm -hmm. who went through divorce, and they moved on. They moved on. They were smiling. They were happy. They, 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 got, they remarried. And me, three, four years later, I was still talking about, I am never getting married again. This is the worst thing ever, right? And that's the mm -hmm. prime example. That's the prime example. Okay, we all went through divorce. But we not all coping the same and maybe it didn't affect us all in the same way because we I may have internalized it a lot more or a lot of other pieces. Right. Than somebody else. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't make it less of a trauma in my life and in my and in my experience. Right. So I think yeah. I think that is so important to highlight that it's really different based on each individual because we're not we're not created the same. We don't process all of our emotions the same. Something that may affect no. me may not do nothing to me, but we're not the same. Um, so yeah, that I think that that's very important to highlight and to, to not minimize what it is that we are dealing with. And then mm -hmm. you also mentioned like how as children, like that understanding is limited. Like as a grown, as a grown up, yeah. if your mom is not there because she's going to work, I mean, you're not going to take that personal, right? Cause right. Because you understand why well, she got to pay bills, she has to do this, she has to do that. But that doesn't mean that she loves me any less. But as a child, that can represent so many other things. We can take that in so many other ways. Um, and then you talked about like, so how does that child start to self-soothe, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what I'm seeing with a lot of my clients later on, when there's been a long history of weight issues, fluctuations, fad diets, uh, binge, binge cycles, emotional eating, etc. I see that a lot of that self-soothing turns into food as coping mechanism, alcohol yeah. coping mechanism, yeah. like literally just had a, just did a live inside of my client community where we talked about uh, the overindulging and the basically abuse of wine. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, hello, drinking a bottle of wine every single night. That's not normal. Right. Yeah. What are we coping? What are we coping with here? Like, what are we doing? Right. It's attached to something different. So do you, or is, is there anything that you specifically see or want to add when it comes to the, 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 how your clients may be utilizing, you know, substances or food, et cetera, to cope and soothe themselves? Oh, yeah, I see that often, that food is used as a way to cope. It's kind of a way to push down the emotions so you don't have to deal, um, especially alcohol or any other substances. The major to use to cope because you don't want to really deal with the emotions that is coming up or the stressors um, that are coming up. And sometimes for people, they use it as a way to relax. So they they have that justification going on of like, 
oh, I had a good day or today was a lot or this is what happened today. Let's celebrate by eating. And so there's like even on the flip side of that, some people may um, not necessarily have a stressor, but they may say that, oh, I deserve it or I need to relax. And so, but it then becomes a ongoing habit of overindulging in some of the ways that food is used, but maybe also used as a way of like a reward um, for yourself versus also for people to cope because they are stressed. Yes, yes, that is so valid. And you know what this Mm -hmm. also just made me think about? Um, How COVID was trauma for Mm -hmm. billions around the globe. Like literally, regardless of religion, ethnicity, nationality, socioeconomic background, like so many of us have been left traumatized Mm -hmm. by, by COVID all at the very same time. And you know how people like joke about, oh, well, you know, I gained the COVID-15, that COVID-20, right? So many mm-hmm. women still now coming out of all of that in 2023, I have weight loss consultation calls with women that are like, yeah, but I mean, it's the 20 pounds from COVID that I can't get rid of. It's the 15 pounds I gained during COVID that are still lingering and I'm just right. I hear that a lot. And I know that the surface level, in my in my opinion or experience, the surface level explanation from a lot of women has been, yeah, COVID-15, COVID-20, that's just because I was at home and there was just, the food was just more available. But, and I'm sure you, you know, because you probably have seen the impact of COVID, heightened stress, heightened anxiety, right? Heightened uh, sense of trauma in some of your clients, but actually... A lot of us turn to wine and alcohol and overindulging on snacks and eating five times a day instead of three, not really because we were home more, but because we were so stressed out in panic mode, afraid, right? It's the emotional, it's the emotions that we were trying to cope with that were caused by COVID literally, or, you know, like the shutdown and, and et cetera. Um, did you do you see that with your clients too? How there's been a difference, like in what you were addressing and dealing with pre-COVID versus after? Oh yeah, during COVID, that's the most time of I want to say in my history of working with clients where we saw everything come to life for a lot of people. A lot of people were actually rushing to therapy, and there were so many lots of wait lists, and it was so hard to get in with a therapist in 2020. Because people had to sit still and had to stop like, and recognize and sit with their own stuff. Like, you couldn't cover it up with your schedule. You couldn't cover it up with busyness. So you had to, you couldn't go to work. You couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't go out there and just have a night out. You couldn't go on vacation. So everybody was relegated to their house or just going to the grocery store and back. So with your schedule, being decreased, a lot of people's thoughts and actual traumas were starting to fester up to the top because now all of our busyness stopped and now, oh, we have time to listen to our own thoughts. We have time to look and pay attention. And so everybody was like, oh, I'm just I'm actually seeing things in myself or feeling my own emotions or hearing my own thoughts that now I need, I need help. COVID forced us to sit still, not do much of anything. My goodness. Yes. Yes. 
And in some strange way, it's what a lot of us needed, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm saying mm-hmm. this obviously cautiously because I'm not saying that we needed act- the actual virus because the virus was definitely yeah. so destructive and a horrible thing to experience. But the actual like res- forced response for all of us, you're going to mm-hmm. stay inside and you're going to sit still until yeah. it's safe to come back out. So I don't know how it affected you, but for me, so before COVID, I would drink wine every now and then, but it wasn't like my best friend whatsoever. COVID hit yeah. and this it started to just creep in. And before I knew it, I was definitely drinking a bottle of wine like every other day. Um, it was mm-hmm. like one glass of wine, you know, like on the weekends. Okay, that was normal for me before COVID because I had a very vibrant social life. Then boom, shut down, we're at home and it turned into okay, well, now I'm just going to sit here and drink wine alone on a Saturday and Sunday. But guess what? Then came Monday and I don't have to go nowhere. Oh, I'm also going to drink a glass of wine on Monday. Innocent at first, mm-hmm. but then it became just normal for me to drink wine every single day because I don't have to go anywhere. So it's like, you know? Yeah. But then one, one glass of, I need to be, I need to relax myself, right? Turns into, that doesn't do anything anymore. So now I need two. So now I'm drinking two glasses mm-hmm. of wine every single day, minimizing it and saying, well, wine is healthy for you. It has, it's full of antioxidants or whatever. Like I'm being so transparent, but this is lit. I'm just human. And then that turns mm-hmm. into a bottle. And then it's like, oh, oh, I think I have a problem now. Right. And yeah. so I lost weight during COVID. And for me, it was because of what you just talked about. The busyness of my all day, everyday life out there um, had me not really like prepping and planning my weeks accordingly. So I was just mm-hmm. out a lot, even though I, my, my choices were rather on the healthy side. Like I don't eat fried foods and things like that. The reality is that if, you, if you're eating out every single day, even if it's the healthier options, they're much richer in calories and fat and sugar and sodium. So I didn't mm-hmm. even realize that I had a couple more pounds that I could afford losing. And so that first year of COVID, I lost 15 pounds, which is unusual because most women actually put on weight. But what I gained was a quite unhealthy habit of being very much attached to my bottle of wine, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy. And so that's the that's the thing here is that the busyness of our everyday life was ripped away. Before COVID, I not only was I doing my own workouts seven days a week, mm-hmm. But I was also in the gym teaching God knows how many classes, right? Which was a, still a form of physical activity, even if I'm not doing the whole workout. But and and it's like the social and I'm busy. Like if I'm teaching a class, I'm not going to be thinking about my own problems. I'm not going to stand there and think about my trauma that I haven't healed no. or not processed, right? Um, I'm mm-hmm. also in running because I'm I'm working and I'm raising kids. I gotta go pick the kids up, I gotta go do this, the groceries, etc. And our entire life was outside. From sunup to sundown, get home, basically eat, crash, right? COVID happened and I didn't know what to do with myself. I'm like, so Mm -hmm. I have never been a homebody. I've never been at home. I started looking at my walls, every room. And I was like, we've been in this house for four years. I haven't even decorated. I've barely even furnished the house. Why? Oh yeah, because we were barely here. (laughs) Mm-hmm. changed the entire dynamics and for months i had to just sit here and get back acquainted with me who am i what thoughts do i produce every single day that i've been ignoring and neglecting and suppressing because i was too busy you know 
running around, teaching, working out, etc. Um, so right. it's no wonder that so many women put put on a significant amount of weight because all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's no more escaping you, no more escaping. So yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up about you know the, the the surfacing of so many things that we hadn't healed, hadn't processed, hadn't dealt with, just because we were basically had the luxury of running mm -hmm. away from all of it all day every single day until COVID came. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it, it's really powerful. So I I love to hear you say that too. Um, for so when when the client when you're working with the clients, like what are some of the things that you have seen? to be like strategies or anything like that, that you're helping your clients with when it comes to a, I going back to identifying where these patterns are really coming from. And then mm -hmm. especially when it's the emotional eating cycle, let's talk about that. What, what do you help those clients with when it comes to overcoming and coping with, with those things differently? First and foremost, I use a lot of mindfulness in my practice with my clients to help them recognize and understand the triggers first because some people are unaware of them even doing it until they're in it or until it's over. So the first and foremost things is identifying the triggers that may and looking at the patterns. When is this happening? What's happening right before? Um, what are some of, what does the urge feel like in your body? How do you know that you're experiencing this urge to or to restrict or whatever this disordered eating may look for you, um, really identifying that pattern trigger. When does it happen? What are the urges like in your body? But also, what are these thoughts that are coming up for you during that time? What are you telling yourself? What is going on in your mind? A lot of people are just going through the cycle, not being mindful what's going on. The second step to that is also we're really understanding and noticing how it's showing up in our body and to take it a step further. I do a lot of parts work with my clients. And so what parts work means is that we're getting to know the part of you that is causing you to binge eat. So we will take some time to interview that part, what's the intention behind that part. And that helps them to kind of get a different perspective of that because a lot of people are like, I hate that part of myself. That part of me just makes me bingy. But I'm like, well, let's really slow down and get in contact with that part. And ask that part, what is the intention? And a lot of times people will say, oh, it's trying to help me put down my emotions. Or it's trying to help me to cope. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gives them a different perspective of, oh, I didn't know this part was trying to help in this weird way. And then we go into even asking deeper questions like, well, how old does this part think that you are? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that will point us in the direction we need to go because you have to think with trauma, that part may be stuck back where it began. Yes. And so a lot of my clients will say, oh, it's it, it, it feels like I'm eight years old. Well, what was going on during that time? Well, my mom was doing this, he was tracking on my body and trying to put me on Weight Watchers and trying to do this. And that will kind of give us the insight of where we need to go to do the work, to really do what I call reparenting of that inner child yeah. and get that inner child what they actually needed. 
but first we have to work with what I call that protection that is trying to protect that inner child. So that coping mechanism that that child came up with was the eating. Yeah. And so that was like the way, oh, every time I'm yelled at or berated or mommy and daddy, daddy needs to work or whatever is happening, I'm coping by eating. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that did, did our younger part, our younger selves know that eating was to do that wasn't the best way of handling it. Yeah. Children just naturally fall in line with the behavior that they feel like it's working so that they can survive. It's a survival response. Yes. And so after I get my clients to understand that this is really a survival response, there's more inner gratitude to themselves. Like, oh, I don't really hate that part of me. I see how it was trying to help. Yeah. So really changing, I do a lot of inner relationship work with my clients on their parts. Like if you can have a good relationship with yourself and all those inner things that are happening within yourself, then we can look at this differently and have a different relationship with that part of you that's talking in this way so that you can move along on the same page. You don't want to be at war with yourself because then that's just going to create more turmoil. It's going to enhance the pattern of the the eating habit but once we change and we have that part as our friend now and it's understanding where we're going and what we're doing that part can be like oh I didn't know that I was making you feel guilty well it's trying to make you feel good yeah so that's when we change that inner dynamics of what's going on here then I pair that with a lot of somatic work so that we can really help clients move forward out of that trauma yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Yes, that is amazing. Thank you for breaking that down and sharing that. Amazing. So yeah. it's it's really it's really the work the work here is identifying all these parts that make you you, right? And then mm-hmm. working on reestablishing like a healthy relationship between all of those parts because they're all the part of you, right? Yeah. And and I see, I think that a lot of us do that. Like we identify, we've had, the, we had this one part or this, you know, that, that goes to a specific moment, a specific time in our lives. And we don't like that part. Now I don't like that part about myself. And then we suppress it. We try to push it away. And it's like, mm-hmm. that part is there though. You can't eliminate it. You can't delete it. You can't erase it. It's part of you. It's a matter of reconnecting mm-hmm. with it. That is so yeah. deep. What amazing transformational work you do. Wow. Um, you're welcome. Yes. The other thing that, of course, that I love that you mentioned, because I know I integrate that a lot into my work is the mindfulness, right? Um, Mm -hmm. we don't know things if there is no space for mindfulness, then we miss all of that. So I know that with my clients, one of the very first things when they enter the program, I'm really big on is, uh, it's a morning routine, right? To be grounded, Mm -hmm. connected, get in, in touch with you, your real thoughts, your real feelings. But then throughout the day, though, practicing also going within frequently throughout the day because we're on autopilot. It's go, 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 run one mm-hmm. errand, pick up all these phone calls, talk to all these rude customers because you're working in a call center, then run to pick up the kids, drive through, do this, do that. There, a lot of us are missing like that aspect throughout the day of, let me take a deep, belly breaths. Let me take a couple of deep belly breaths and get back in touch with me, my core. How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, 
What am mm -hmm. I thinking? How, how is my day going? You know, things like that. And that's something that I work on a lot with my clients because stress reduction, right? Um, re reducing your stress levels has a huge impact on your weight loss, your weight loss journey, or your, your inability to lose. If you're constantly stressed and there's never this moment of going back within. Um, and it's interesting because that's what I, I push with my clients also when it comes to, we got to deep, we got dive deeper into your nutritional habits, right? Mm -hmm. It's linked to like, for example, the clients that are like, well, I can't help it. Every time I get up at two o'clock in the morning, I'm devouring everything in the pantry, right? Yes. A lot of times that has to do with clients who are not eating enough calories throughout the day, or they're not fueling their bodies properly. But a lot of times it's the emotional piece that is waking these women up at times where they're calm at times where yeah. you're not being overly stimulated by the outside world. Here comes mm -hmm. your part. Here's that part again. That's research. Like time. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not doing anything else. Let me come out. <laughs> Let's talk, right? Address me, deal with me. And then we not seeing that. And so it's like, well, I'm just going to go in this pantry and just eat everything that I see. And then the next day I don't understand why I keep doing this. Like I wasn't even hungry. Mm -hmm. um, and so with those clients, it's the awareness. And like you said, we need to bring mindfulness into your life because the mindfulness allows for the awareness. If we don't mm -hmm. have awareness that we don't know what we're doing, we don't know mm -hmm. what's happening and we certainly don't know why it's happening. That's step one. Um, yeah. And a lot of my clients, and I'm going to make sure to share all of your information in the show notes as well, because I tell a lot of my clients who are very much struggling, this has been a lifelong uh, battle with emotional eating uh, or also emotional drinking, right? Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, you can go out here and dish out thousands on, you know, you can do whatever programs you want out here. You can hire, like, you can hire a personal trainer for the stars, Okay. Do it yeah. if you want to. Drop $10,000 on that if you want to. If you have not healed that trauma that keeps nagging at you and you keep coping coping with it by stuffing yeah. your mouth, that trainer for the stars who has the best workout program in the world is only going to be able to get you temporary results. You will always yeah. backtrack. Temporary. You will always mm -hmm. gain the weight back. You will always get come back to square one until you have really identified the root, done the healing work. Then you're able mm -hmm. to start incorporating other coping mechanisms, which is the work that you do. You're teaching these women how to get down to that part that is wounded, that part that is suppressed, right? That needs to come out and needs to be addressed and worked on and healed. And then we can start yeah. incorporating other coping mechanisms instead so i'm gonna make yeah listen ladies all her all shay's information is in the show notes um because you know this if this if this sounds like you if it resonates if it applies to your journey if you found yourself trapped in these cycles then it's time to do the deeper work not always fun um no right <laughs> not, no not so, always no it's not the fun work and and it's 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 a little bit scary too but if, mm -hmm. if we want to abandon those patterns and those cycles, right, if we want to be done with that chapter of our lives, basically, and get the weight off permanently and solve these problems, then this is a part of the work, though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And some, there's one little thing that I did want to add um, to the listeners is that also not only your own trauma work needs to be done, but looking at the generational patterns here, because I have done trauma work with people and we've gotten to that root and they found that their parts don't completely always belong 100% to them. And it feels like it belongs to their ancestors. Um, I've seen um, demonstrations done with the work, like the work that I do um, in the trainings that I go to. Um, this past weekend, a guy did work around his eating parts and found that it was really rooted in the Holocaust and his family not having food to eat wow. during when they were in the concentration camp. And so even looking deeper, even past you, looking at your family's history and their relationship with food also impacts you as well. Yes. Wow. Yes. So glad you bring that up. I've heard a lot about that too. Like we can't discredit our lineage, right? At mm -hmm. all. There is, when we talk about breaking generational curses, yes, because this isn't just, well, you know, my mama did this to me or my daddy did this to me. It's it, a lot of times it goes, it goes further up that lineage for sure. And this is not like weight loss per se or nutrition related, but especially in, um, in the African-American community, a lot of us are having mm -hmm. real struggles when it comes to financial freedom. And when we go mm -hmm. back to our lineage and we go back to our history, right, this, these are repeated, repetitive cycles and issues that have very much to do with how we came to America. Um, you know, what happened to our great, great, great grand uh, mothers, et cetera, and the cycle of financial dependency, right? slavery, mm -hmm. et cetera, and um, being financially like outcast, right? And we are still very much demonstrating a lot of these patterns. So for example, I've, and I've learned a lot about this too, but like when we say things like, no matter what I do, I just can't get ahead financially, right? These are, these are patterns. These are things that keep happening in our lives. And a lot of it is not necessarily rooted in or related to your actions you know, every single day or your thoughts, et cetera, but much deeper ancestral mm -hmm. generational uh, trauma, right? It, it goes way back. So yeah, I'm oh, so yeah. glad. I'm glad that you're saying that for sure. It is mm -hmm. deep. So the moral of the story here is um, if you're tired of repeating the same cycles, you know, and it goes beyond the, the weight loss, of course, because I care about women, holistically like overall the big picture if it's if it's your you go from one abusive relationship to the next right um if it's money issues that you keep repeating even every single time you get a promotion and make more money right that's an indication here when there's a there's something that keeps repeating it stems from somewhere if it's the you are always sabotaging your progress on your weight loss journey because you always at some point end back up in this toxic self-sabotage type of um, cycle of eating everything that you see, right? Um, whatever that looks like specifically for you, if you want to see different outcomes moving forward, you have to pause and look at these, these cycles, look at these um, repetitive patterns and say, I probably need help. It wouldn't it wouldn't hurt for me to go find Shay or somebody else along of what Shay does and dig deeper as to 
You know, how is this connected to maybe what happened to me as a child? How do I get over this? How do I heal this? Which part is disconnected that explains why I keep seeing these outcomes that I don't want to see anymore? That's the, that's what yeah. we, that's the point that we have to get to and say enough is yeah. enough already, you know? So mm-hmm. Shay, thank you so much. This has been a, a really empowering conversation, very enlightening. Uh, it is my, my hope that this makes a difference in someone's life for sure. Um, I can't mm-hmm. thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule and your busy day to come and share about this. The work that you do is needless to say, it's so important and especially in our community, we need more, a lot more of it. I wish I could clone you many, many, many thousands of times. I wish I could clone myself. <laughs> right. We need, we need more shades. But so to my listeners who are interested in finding out more, who feel like, hey, this is, if this is speaking to you and you're like, wait a second, I need to get in contact with this, this Shay woman. She sounds amazing. I know. Um, all her information is going to be, you know, in the show notes. So look her up, reach out. Um, and then even if I'm sure even if Shay can't necessarily help you, then Shay probably has a ton of resources too. So thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Um, hopefully I can bring you back on for, you know, another, another topic, another conversation in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me and Look forward to doing more in the future as well. Yes, absolutely. All right, my ladies, that is it. That's all that we have for y'all. As always, keep a smile on your beautiful faces. Stay empowered, spread love and positivity. And above all, remember that you deserve to live in the body of your dreams. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Women Winning at Weight Loss podcast. If you found today's episode valuable, make sure to share it with other women in your life and head over to Facebook to join the Women Winning at Weight Loss community. We'll see you there.